If you still have your Bibles open, would you please turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 to 21. Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 to 21. And we're continuing with the book of Colossians, of course. We left off at verse 17 in our last message. Today we begin with 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, Obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And may God the Holy Spirit grant us understanding of the passage and the message before us. In our most recent study of the book of Colossians, we looked at chapter 3 verses 5 to chapter 3 verse 17. And in that particular portion of scripture, we observe the Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul's call to a life of holiness. All true Christians, Paul said, are called to a life of holiness, a life of separation from the world, and a life of of separation unto God. This was to be done by, number one, putting off the old man with all the deeds of the flesh. Verse 5, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And then in verse 8 and 9 of that same chapter, we saw the old attitudes that were also to be discarded, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, and lying. These attitudes were to no longer be part of the Christian's new walk. All of this was to be actively dealt with. That is, the Christian was to put away, get rid of, discard these things. But then in verse 5, or verses 12, 13, and 14, the Apostle Paul presented the new man and admonished all true believers to put on new attitudes, attitudes which are indicative of the new man, mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, and loving one another. However, the second aspect of putting on the new man in verses 15 to 17 is passive. We are to yield. We are to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. And we are to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom. And then finally in verse 17 of chapter 3, we are commanded that whatsoever we do in word or in deed, we are to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, 
and to give thanks unto God and the Father by him. Now we come to the main text for our message this morning, Colossians 3, verses 18 to 21. Still under the major topic of a call to holiness, but in relation to the Christian home and family. And so for the first portion of our message this morning, I'd like for us to examine more closely what the Apostle Paul says should be the Christian's normal relationship in the home. Please remember what we said in our last message in conclusion in reference to verse 17. That was that whatsoever the believer does, whether it be in speech or in deed, it must all be done in the name of and to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we give thanks to the Father. Therefore, what follows in the next few verses is for the new man, the true believer. It is not for the unregenerated man. The unsaved cannot and will not obey the next few commandments because Without the indwelling Christ and his enabling grace, these commandments are foreign and impossible to accomplish in the natural man. But for the new man, the genuine believer, these commandments are not optional. They must be evident in each of our lives if we belong to Christ. Verse 18, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Then in the book of Ephesians 5, 22 to 24, the Apostle Paul gives a more detailed explanation. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Please read these words carefully. Wives, you are to submit yourselves unto your own husbands. There are no preconditions or prerequisites. He does not have to be deserving of your submission. He does not have to be a believer. He does not have to be lovable or any other criteria that society may be tempted to impose upon him. So many have been deceived into thinking that somehow the husband must be spotless perfection manifested in human flesh before the wife is to submit herself unto him. But if we are going to be honest and true to the Savior, then we have to admit there is no such husband. More often than not, many husbands are callous to the needs of the wife. They are ignorant of their responsibilities before God, and they are completely self-centered and self-serving. Nevertheless, the wife is still commanded to submit herself. Now, before we delve into more detail from Scripture, might I remind both the wives and the husbands that at some point 
in your relationship, you both chose to marry one another and to spend the rest of your lives together. And at some point, whether you were Christians or not, you both in some form or another promised, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, until death do us part. And God expects you to keep your word. Now, why does God say that the wife is to submit herself to the husband in particular? Notice, please, the scripture says, submit, not obey. They are not the exact same words, although submit does include, to a large extent, obedience. But the idea here is to place oneself under his authority, to recognize his headship over her. Why? Because Ephesians 5.23 gives the reason. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. The husband did not choose that position. He was given that role and put there by God himself. Now, I am the first to admit that there are far too many Christian husbands that have neglected their responsibilities before God, and as a result, their families have suffered. Often the wife takes over and wears the pants in the family, so to speak. But this too is a disaster, because it is contrary to God's design and commandments. It is no wonder that the children then grow up confused and deprived of a happy Christian environment. The wife is not to usurp the role of headship in the family home as long as the husband is present and is breathing, but rather if he is negligent to take it to the Lord in prayer and trust in his grace and loving care to see them through all of the bumps along the road. Wives who do what the Lord expects of them become a very powerful testimony and a blessing to others. Their faithful prayers are a powerful tool in the spiritual realm. Myriads of faithful wives have won unsaved family members for the Lord because of their obedience and faithfulness to our blessed Savior. The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 3 verses 1 to 4 reiterates this same idea when he writes, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, and there are many, both Christians and non-Christian, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of plating, uh, putting on of apparel, 
But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Nevertheless, the wife is never to become a doormat for the husband. She is nowhere commanded in Scripture to obey her husband to sin. If her husband attempts to force her to lie, to cheat others, to mistreat her children, to deprive others of their rightful rewards, or to satisfy her, uh, or to uh, disobey her conscience, then she is to obey God rather than man. And heaven help the husband who intentionally and knowingly causes his wife to go down that path. Now we come to verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Let's compare that to Ephesians 5, 25 to 29. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, in an, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. But oh, how tragic tragedy has played its ugly hand in the homes of so many professing Christians. How utterly void of scriptural truths are a great number of Christian husbands. The responsibility and accountability of the husband before God should make every husband tremble. The scriptures have a lot to say of what God expects of the husband and the father of a Christian home. But all too often, other worldly affections and cares have stolen his heart and his mind and as a result have rendered him ineffective as the spiritual head. And as we look around us today, we see the devastating results of this in increasing numbers of broken homes and shattered lives. Yet very rarely do we consider the, the pain which this causes our loving Savior who suffered so much for our sakes at the cross. Husbands, we are to love our wives. There are no preconditions. We are to love them whether they deserve it or not, whether they are submissive or not, whether they love us or not. 
whether they are still as beautiful as the day we first met them or not. If we belong to Christ, truly belong to him, then we are to obey his commandments. And what more joyful commandment has the Lord ever given us than to love one another and to love our wives? Psalm 127 reminds us, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. We are to love our wives and not be bitter against them. Dear fellow husbands, we must especially guard ourselves against this bitterness against our wives. Sometimes, when things do not go as well as we would like, we tend to blame our wives for this or for that, and as more often than not, the husband becomes bitter against them. Oh, may this not be leveled ever against us. For bitterness, if left unchecked, will slowly eat away at one's soul, leaving him or her an alien to the peace of God that wants all of his children to know and to enjoy daily. The Apostle Peter gives us, who are husbands, a solemn warning in 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Any husband who mistreats or abuses his wife or is bitter against her, the Bible says that husband's prayers will be hindered. Now, what might that mean? God, who loves us all equally and unconditionally, is not pleased when we strive with one another for selfish motives. God wishes a clean heart and a contrite spirit when we enter the prayer room. If we have anything against our brothers or sisters or have wronged someone, God expects us to make it right if possible and to forgive or to be forgiven. There is so very little power in individual lives today for witnessing because the vessels need cleansing. The church has become a laughingstock in the eyes of the world because of the dishonesty and hypocrisy that is so prevalent today. Our churches lack power today because our homes lack power. We need to repent of our carelessness and negligence of spiritual duties which the Lord has given each of us. And one of the most neglected areas today is the ministry in the home. 
The husband who is the spiritual head must be into the word to learn what his responsibilities are and how he is to perform them. He needs to know what God expects of him to do in respect to his wife, to his children, to his neighbors, to his fellow man. He needs to teach his children the word of God. But most importantly, he needs to show them by his own life what it means to be a child of God. Now, coming back to our main text, we read in Colossians 3.20, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And comparing that with the text in Ephesians 6, 1-4, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Fathers, make no mistake about this. Children, says the Bible, are a gift from God. They are on loan to us. We are to prepare them for service for the Lord someday. We are to care for them. We are to protect them from harm, whether it be physical or spiritual harm. We are to admonish them and teach them the word of God on a regular basis so that when they are still young and tender in age, they may come to know the one who gave them life, who loves them as no one else can, and who has paid with his own blood the penalty of their sins on Calvary's cross. We are to provide for their upkeep so that they may grow up happy and be Come model citizens in this country which the Lord has placed them. We are to pray for them daily so that they be not tempted with evil and that God may direct their paths and his will be done in their lives. May I remind you, fathers and mothers both, but fathers in particular, because God has given us that task of spiritual training the only thing we can ever take to heaven with us one day is our children. And if we do our own part, God will certainly do his. We are cautioned to not provoke them to anger or wrath. Often personal feelings get wounded and fathers feel that their respect has been undermined and their authority has been challenged and as a result they lash out at their children. We have all been guilty of this. And that is forbidden by the word of God. We are to be careful in our disciplining of our children. It needs to always be motivated by love, seasoned with grace, and sometimes firmly applied, but always in accordance with the word of God. Fathers who don't know the word are at a terrible disadvantage when calamity strikes. Fathers need to show their children that they love them, 
not just when they are tiny and cuddly, but also when they are grown up into fine young adults. Hug them, kiss them, tell them you love them regularly. Their hearts will be encouraged, and their love for their own family someday will grow much stronger as well. Now we come to the children. Colossians 3.20 Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And we compare that with Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. I would like for us to notice carefully that first verse, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Here's the whole proof of whether a child is redeemed or not. Children who profess to be Christians, who go to church, perhaps are in the youth group at their church and boast about uh, someday going on the mission field with such and such a group, but cannot or will not obey their parents betray their true condition. This is irrefutable evidence of whether a child is saved or not by their obedience to their parents. This is how they may glorify God. They profess to serve and bring honor to their Savior. The Apostle Paul writes here in Ephesians 6.1 that children should obey their parents because it is right. In the letter to the Colossians 3.20, the Apostle Paul gives another reason why children should obey their parents, because it is well-pleasing unto God. See how wonderful the Word of God is. If we wish to know the will of God or what pleases God, we simply need to read it. However, doing it is quite another thing. Unless we have been born again by the Spirit of God, we are totally incapable of obeying the Word of God. And so, first and foremost, every child must be carefully nurtured and brought to that point in life where they realize their need of salvation and trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Then, they can grow in the grace and the knowledge of their Savior daily. Consequently, any child who cannot obey his parents in the home when he or she is young will never obey the Lord when they are growing up. Not only that, but they will also refuse to obey those who have been given authority over them in the world. We don't need to be told that crime and violence are out of control in our society today. And yet society refuses to admit that it is the home where the battle is either won or lost when it comes to raising responsible citizens, because then the blame must be put squarely on the shoulders 
of the guilty. Also, I would like for us to notice Ephesians 6, 2-3. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Oh, how we all need to grasp these two truths. Children, listen carefully. Whether you are tiny tots, teenagers, or young adults, God commands you to honor thy father and mother. And how do we do that? We must respect them. We must pray for them. We must honor their wishes when we know what they are. We are not to curse them or to speak rudely to them or about them. We are to value their wisdom. We are to be willing and ready always to show the kindness of God to them. Remembering that when we were young and helpless, it was they who fed us when we were hungry, nursed us when we were sick, protected us when we were in danger, clothed us when we were naked, and loved us from the very first day that we were brought into this world. It is the fifth commandment in the Old Testament law, Exodus 25, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. God still has not changed his mind. Children who obey their parents are often spared much suffering and injury in this life. They avoid the wrong friends and dangerous activities that may otherwise have, have left them or led them to a life of crime and wickedness, violence, and drugs. Their days have been prolonged on this earth if they have heeded the cautions of their parents who were given to them for their own protection and well-being in the first place. But we must read carefully that first verse in Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. There is night and day difference when parents are not Christians. Christian parents often do their best to follow the Lord's commandments, and though they may stumble occasionally, they nonetheless do a very decent job of it. However, non-Christian parents often make shipwreck of their families and certainly have no regard or respect to the things of God. Their children, consequently, grow up often disillusioned with life, bitter and angry at what the world has thrown at them, and want nothing to do with God. And if perchance children do become saved from non-Christian homes, there is hostility and conflict between parents and the child because of the new birth. In those situations, often the only solution is separation because the rift is so deep it cannot be mended. If God is not allowed access into the home to work in the lives that have been broken, 
then the job of mending is impossible. The flesh cannot do the job on its own. We see it happening all around us today and sometimes even in Christian homes. The dear couple who led Linda and me to the Lord some 41 years ago had succumbed to a similar fate. They married under very turbulent circumstances. The husband for most of his life was involved in a dangerous cult. When he was saved, he married, and the two began to witness vigorously to many others who were also caught up in false religions and cults. And I was one of them. But somewhere along the road, this lovely couple lost sight of the will of God in their lives for them. They lost sight of the tremendous responsibility each one of them had towards each other spiritually and towards their children. And as a result, because of the demands of society imposed upon them, their work and personal problems, they somehow lost their real purpose here in life. Consequently, their children's lives have also gone down the wrong path as well. Their marriage had broken up, and to make things worse, when I tried to counsel the wife from the Bible that they needed to reconcile, she did not see the permanency of marriage, of the marriage bond, because too many other voices have convinced her otherwise. Our churches today have been betrayed, have betrayed our Lord by not telling it like it is. We need to be honest as preachers and teachers of the word. There are many unpleasant things in the Bible that need to be taught. There are many warnings and dangers that we all need to heed and be told about because each one of us will someday personally stand before the Lord Jesus and give an account of how we lived for him. I see now that our time once again is fleeting, so we need to conclude our message here. But as always, before I step down from this platform, I must ask you this. Are you a Christian? Have you ever truly received Christ as your Lord and Savior and surrendered your life to him? If you have, then God's will for you this morning is this. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. And children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Let's pray. Father, we thank thee so much for thy word, for without it we would be lost we would be hopelessly confused in this life as to
what we ought to do or not to do. But we're thankful that it tells us of God's love for the sinner. And that that love paid a tremendous price for our salvation in the sending of the Lord Jesus Christ to the cross of Calvary to pay for our penalty of sin, which we ourselves could never have paid. And we're also told in this wonderful book that God's love provides for all our spiritual needs, whether at home, at work, or at play, wherever we may be, it directs our paths, if only we will read it and obey it. And so, Father, we thank Thee for this particular book, the book on Colossians, and ask Thee now, if the Lord be not come, to part us with Thy blessing, and enable us once again to meet next Lord's Day around Thy table. For we always ask it in his name and for his glory. Amen.